our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Synchronized. The synchronized word of the day. It's nothing personal, but I was trying to do something here that was synchronized where I'd be talking and then you'd hear another voice and a voice and they'd be together at the same time. When I say synchronized, you're thinking of maybe swimming, you know, when everyone's got their legs in the air at the same time and there's 10 people doing the same thing or a chorus line, that great Broadway show or movie with Michael Douglas, which I actually loved. Synchronize. Thought about it all weekend as baseball is beginning. Games are being played between teams. All of the fighting that took place between the players and the owners. It seems like years ago, doesn't it? All of the back and forth over returning to play. It just, poofed. it disappears. But now we have an argument to take its place. The NFL What's next for them? Rookies are supposed to report today. By reporting, that means they show up in their car, roll down their window, get a Q-tip stuck up their nose, sw- swizzle around the brain a little bit, pull it out, and get a result of a COVID test, which, by the way, could take up to 16 days. Oh, no, of course it won't. Sorry. It takes up to 16 days if you're not a professional athlete. If you are, it takes 24 hours. But there is still no agreement as to when training camp is going to start in the NFL. There's no agreement as to any possible economic changes for the 2020 or 2021 season. There's no agreement as to how many preseason games will be played in the NFL. There's no understanding whether it will be an on-time 16-game season, a delayed 12-game season. There is no agreement on what the health and safety protocols will be at all. And right now, the NFL is beginning to take on heat. Never like MLB. We'd sit around in the commissioner's office. We'd sit around in the front office. And we would always wonder, what is the good side to always being in the fishbowl the way Major League Baseball is? Always the most criticized sport. Always the sport which can't change its rules, which can't make adjustments. Anytime we try to make any incremental, we, there's a dollar coca. Anytime they try to make incremental improvement or changes, it's met with such fierce opposition. Where other sports are changing all the time, not a lot of blowback, and it's happening again. The NFL and the players, the owners and the players, Roger Goodell and the players are involved right now in a definite back and forth argument over any return to play protocol. How do I know this? Because while a wait to see from maybe a couple weeks ago is that there will be competing PR statements by both sides showing that there is an argument happening, I may get that wrong. Because it's possible the NFL Players Association is way better at this than Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball players were. This weekend, 
Get ready, Coca. This weekend, many NFL players released a tweet at around the same time saying around the same thing. It's like, wait for it, it was synchronized. Could the players be that organized that they get together and they decide, forget statements, forget press conferences, let's try to court the public's opinion through social media. And so they did. Now, there's some discussion as to how this came down. There's a rumor, by the way, that it's a current Miami Dolphin player. And the reason I don't want to give the name is twofold. One, I can't remember it off the top of my head. But two, I really don't feel like giving credit to one player for coming up with this idea. He's a player rep, so I understand that. But at the same time, there has to be a level of understanding when you're within a union that I want the lawyers and I want the president of the union and the executive director of the union. I want them to be deciding what the strategy is going to be from both a PR standpoint and a legal standpoint. But in this case, a player rep did it and suggested, why don't we all tweet that we want to play? He may have gotten that from baseball's tell us when or where. And it wasn't just scrubs. It was Jared Goff. It was Drew Brees. It was Richard Sherman. It was J.J. Watt on and on the top levels of the game. It's the equivalent of Trout and Harper, Miguel Cabrera, Garrett Cole, Max Scherzer, non-Scott Boris clients going public together with one message. You also notice that there's no talk of Lee Steinberg, Drew Rosenhaus, or other high-powered NFL agents the way Scott Boris tried to take hostage the negotiations. But what the players said in their tweets was perfectly satisfying to me as a front office person who often sees things from one side, but since joining Nothing Personal is trying very hard to go both ways. They talked about if you want to see football, now you, does that mean the owners Does that mean the fans, you want to watch football? Us players need to remain healthy. The NFL has to do its part to bring football back, address health concerns. That was Jared Goff. Drew Brees, we need football. The NFL's unwillingness to follow the recommendations of medical experts will prevent that. Richard Sherman, the NFL has ignored safety recommendations from the experts. That was the synchronized message. It was not about money. It was not about labor. It was about health. They felt that was the highest common denominator that would elicit the greatest reaction anti-owner would be saying, by the way, Sean Doolittle of the Nationals tried to do this when he said it doesn't seem as though the owners actually care about our health. And by the way, baseball then responded with a hundred, what is now almost 150 page document about health and safety protocols. You asked for it, Sean Doolittle, and you got it. So the NFL players are trying this same tact. They're saying owners don't care about our health. They've had months to think about this and they've done nothing. And they've gotten some media members to agree. 
some media members are writing and trying to put forward the argument that the NFL had a chance to have such a head start. They were in their offseason. They were doing everything according to their own schedule, which was their normal offseason schedule. Why couldn't they have properly prepared and gotten everything done for everything to start on time? Those are people who don't understand the way owners are or the way any business owner is. They're in no rush. They know there is a huge revenue loss by having no fans in the stands. They're aware that it's very unlikely there will be fans in the stands. Their concern and they are beholden only to their national television rights holders. So they've worked very closely with the rights holders who couldn't care less about preseason games. Quick tangent to that. The players want to play no preseason games. The owners want four because they get two home games. So therefore, they get to charge season ticket holders for those two games. So it's a 10-game package instead of eight regular season games. They get eight regular season plus two preseason But with no fans, do you think the owners really care about preseason games? They're pretending they do, but they don't. So it's gone from four. Now the owners said, all right, we'll give you two preseason games. We'll give in and go from four to two. Players said zero. The owner said, okay, we'll go from two to one. But that's our final, final, final offer. Wink, wink, wink. Two to one. They don't care if it's zero. The players thinking they're going to get this victory by getting zero preseason games. That's not an economic victory for you. You're not getting a higher rate for each regular season game you play. You're not getting extra regular season games. You're not getting a bigger cut of revenue all of a sudden. The NFL argument is not the way MLB is because there's such distrust between MLB owners and players because there is no salary cap in baseball. In football, it's much more of an open book situation in that there is revenue and that revenue is defined and that revenue is used to formulate the salary cap. And that salary cap has a salary floor and you've got teams that spend as much as they can to it and everyone's doing fine. So what are the players asking for? Well, it turns out that one of the issues is the players want to figure out what happens if they opt out. Another issue is them trying to figure out what are the revenue share that they can expect if the season does not finish, if no fans are around in 2020, if no fans are around in 2021. And wouldn't you know it, the owners are not so willing to make an agreement right now. But for football fans who think the deadline's now, because spring train, spring training, because training camp started today with rookies and the veterans are due to report on the 28th of July. That's not the deadline. I told you this with baseball. It's the same thing with football. Do you remember when baseball didn't come back Independence Day and everyone was despondent? This was it. There's possibility of no baseball. Everyone threw their hands up in the air with disgust and anger. Where's that vitriol toward the NFL? Well, Roger Goodell's not front and center. No owners are speaking out other than Mark Davis of the Las Vegas um, Raiders. Thank you, Coca, who said, if we're not having fans, then we may not have a real opening for Allegiant Stadium in Vegas. And by the way, I'm just a fan. I'm not going to go to games either. I stand with you. That's really been really the only comment by owners. So will this player strategy work? 
It's not even a wait to see because it won't. Owners don't care what you're tweeting out. They don't care that you had synchronized tweets. It's not going to change any of their views on the reality of the economic situation in 20 and 21. But players, by all means, if you think having no preseason games is a victory, have at it. All right. So you want to talk to Samson. Is it now, Coca? Are you doing it? Okay, folks, Coca has a new toy, thanks to CBS. He got something called a, uh, a soundboard. So now, because obviously we're not in the studio, you know I'm where I am and he's where he is. We haven't actually seen each other since March 16th. Wow, it's been over four months, Coca. That's a third of a year. We've had more shows without seeing each other than shows when we did see each other. But in any case, CBS got him a new toy, and apparently he can now put noises prepackaged sound bites or funny noises into the show. The problem is none of it's rehearsed because this is not a rehearsed pod. I talked to you for 45 minutes. And then what happens is we have an outline, which we talk about before the show, but often I'll go off script or often I'll forget where I am and I'll tell a story or not remember sort of like what's happening now. And Coco will just have to interrupt because we're not looking into each other's eyes, which is one of the problems with not being in a studio together is you can't sort of feed off each other's body language or see when I'm doing something with my hands saying, yes, no, maybe so I'm giving signs. Maybe I'm going to the face, to the nose, ear, nose, ear, chin, like they do in baseball, which would indicate something. So stay with us. You're going to hear some sounds. By the way, also stay with us because we're nothing personal. We have a YouTube channel. Please subscribe. Tell your friends about this podcast and we're getting toward the end of the month. Go on Apple, rate and review and ask a question. We'll do an end of month mailbag pod. Soon we're going to drop the latest Samson sit down. It's a really good one. Uh, We had a chance to sit with Jonathan Holloway, the president of Rutgers University, the 21st president in their history, the first black president and someone I've known a very long time, and we had an interesting conversation about college, college athletics, the realities of what it is to be a president during this day and age. So in any case, that's going to come on the 21st of July. If you're listening to this after, then you already had it downloaded. So thank you for all that. So back to what are we doing, Coca? (laughs) You know what I want. So you want to talk to Samson, and yes, you will. At David P. Samson is my Twitter. Get on Twitter. Get right into the DMs. Ask a question, and I may copy and paste it into the show. I may ask a different question, answer a different question. I may respond. I may not, but I do appreciate it. At David P. Samson. Here's the question. What will the Toronto Blue Jays staff need to do between now and July 29th to find a new stadium and have a home opener. I would love to hear the nitty gritty details on this one. And then this person went on to say that I was smiling when you reviewed She's Out of My League. I really love that movie, by the way. 
I don't recall actually reviewing it on the show, but I guess I did. It's with Jay Baruchel, the Canadian who's got the Canadian maple leaf tattooed. And it's the, uh, the beautiful, wonderful Alice Eve. She's out of my league. Love it. In any case, so you want to talk to Samson. Let's talk about what happened with the Blue Jays. For those of you paying attention on nothing personal, we said the Canadian government. I actually don't know this, Makoka. So I do a bunch of radio up in Canada across Canada. And I love doing that. And I think I may have said it on the radio show or I said it on nothing personal. The Blue Jays had petitioned the federal government in Canada, the provincial government in Ontario, the mayor of Toronto, and they asked to be an exception to the rule, which says, sorry, folks, parks closed. Canada's border is shut down. Why? Because Canada's found a way to deal with COVID-19. Canada's found a way to not just flatten the curve, but they've practically quashed it. They've done it through real contact tracing, through real social responsibility, through lack of politicizing. It's the opposite of what's going on here in the United States, where Corona has become really the number one political issue. If you wear a mask, it means that you are a Democrat. If you stand united against Corona, you are a Democrat. But if you walk with no mask, you are all for opening up the economy, forgetting about Corona. Let's get going, get the kids back to school. Of course, you're not wearing a mask, so you're hurting, not helping. Just yesterday, just yesterday, The governor of Missouri, his name is Mike Parson. He went on a radio show. The governor of Missouri, one of our 50 governors, said on kids going back to school, these kids have got to get back to school, the governor said. They're at the lowest risk possible. And if they do get COVID-19, which they will, and they will when they go to school, They're not going to the hospitals. They're not going to have to sit in doctor's offices. They're going to go home and they're going to get over it. Do you realize the problem I have with that? I want kids back in school too. I want COVID done. I want to be back in the studio at CBS. I get all of that. But the whole point is governors who are politicizing it don't get it. If the kids go back to school and get it, then they go home. What if they give it to people they live with? What about the teachers, the volunteers, the parents who are at school? It's not just about kids. What about the kids who have actually gotten very sick? If this requires serious solutions, this requires understanding how to change and do things differently. It requires discipline, forethought, intelligence. The governor of Missouri is lacking, and that's not a personal attack because he said it himself. So in Canada, they figured out a way to stop this. The Blue Jays appealed to them and said, we want to have spring training at the Rogers Center. The government said, okay, you can do spring training part de at the Rogers Center, but you have to live in the hotel that is adjacent to the Rogers Center and your players can't go anywhere. And by the way, we're looking and we're checking. Then the Blue Jays said, 
we want to play the regular season in Toronto. The government said, let's see what the plan is with baseball. Hockey, we're good. They're bubbling in Edmonton and in Toronto. Wait, is Toronto the second bubble? Could be Calgary and Edmonton. It's Edmonton, another place, Coco. Can you imagine? I forgot the second bubble city in hockey. I want to say it's Edmonton and Toronto. But in any case, the purpose of bubble and the reason why the NHL chose no bubble cities in the U.S. is that Canada said no. If people are in the U.S., if they want to come play in Canada, they're going to have to quarantine 14 days and and we're going to check. So the Blue Jays found out over the weekend that they will not be allowed to play regular season games in Toronto at the Rogers Center if they're going to play regular season games against other teams. And if they're going to go to the United States to play. The government got the MLB schedule. They saw that Toronto was going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. No good. Deep down, the owner of the Blue Jays and the president, Mark Shapiro, knew that they would get denied. When they saw COVID not getting better in the U.S., trending negatively in so many different states, when they realized that the entire solution was dependent on players and staff behaving in a way that many 25-year-old people with means don't behave, as has been evidenced in exactly the surgence and resurgence of COVID-19 here in the U.S. The government in Canada said no, and baseball was surprised. So what was going on deep in the bowels of the commissioner's office and in the Rogers Center with the Blue Jays, they knew that it was going to be a no, but they thought with great hubris till the very end that they would find a way to convince the government of Canada because they do a pretty good job, and I've been a part of that, convincing the governments here, both city, local, state, federal, of getting what they want, their baseball. But they've never had to operate in the constraints of a pandemic where all rules are off, all rules of of financing, all rules of any relationship between the public sector and the private sector, all revenue streams, every expected result of a conversation has been thrown on its head. So when Canada made the announcement, people were shocked. I was not at all. So now what is Toronto going to do? Well, it came out immediately that they are looking to play either in Buffalo or Dunedin. Buffalo is the Buffalo Bisons. That's a city that's close to Toronto. It's a AAA team. It is a stadium where they are familiar Dunedin is their spring training home, but of course, Dunedin is in Florida. Baseball is trying to get teams out of Florida, not into Florida. That would be insanity to add another team down here. So I think it's going to be Buffalo. What needs to happen is that Buffalo has to figure out how to retrofit its clubhouses the same way the major league stadiums have done to make sure they are abiding by the social distancing guidelines. Buffalo has to make sure that its lights, that its fields, that its areas are major league ready. Buffalo has to make sure it's got hotels for visiting teams and it's got to figure out what to do with the home team Blue Jays. You can't have the Blue Jays staying in a hotel for 60 straight days, 30 in Buffalo and then 30 when they're on the road. What do you do about players' families? 
Do you have all the families come and stay in one hotel room and be sequestered in that one little hotel room? How do you figure who's going to get the suites? Who's not going to get the suites? There are a lot of issues. So you have to get housing. Do you get housing in Buffalo? Do you do BRB? BRB, that's not what it's called. It's, um, it's BY, BYOB. In, in you BYOB, so you have to get, it's, it's a, um, that sounds wrong. That is not bring your own beverage. It is, um, <laughs> I'm having a moment. Not a bed and breakfast. Coca's whispering bed and breakfast. BRBO is what it is. VRBO. Who cares? It's something. In any case, what do you do with the Blue Jays? Because if you're going into public housing, it has to be cleaned in a certain way. If you're going into a hotel, you have to figure out those rooms. You can have players rent for, a th- what is it, two months, August, September. So there are tremendous logistical issues that have been worked on, not starting this weekend, but they've been going on for a while. Coca, by the way, welcome to the show. It's a Monday. This happens every Monday. It's Airbnb. Thank you. That's what I was thinking of. I have no idea where Coke is coming from. By the way, he thinks Airbnb stands for bed and breakfast. I don't know that he's right or wrong, but I'm not going to say he's wrong. And once he gets to the soundboard working better, he would have had a sound for what just happened. I can't imagine what it would be. What sound was that, Coca? He doesn't have it. What is it? One more time. Go. You know what sound that is? That's like a crowd of people cheering. What does that have to do with anything else? Oh, Coke is telling me that's his standing ovation for being right about bed and breakfast. You just gave yourself a standing ovation with a sound on your new soundboard that no one listening or watching nothing personal will be able to discern. I'd say we may have just a little bit of work to do. Okay, so what are the Blue Jays doing? I say Buffalo. Everything's going according to schedule. And then all of a sudden, the wheels came off the wagon. This weekend, the GM of the Blue Jays, a good GM who works for Mark Shapiro, who's the president of baseball operations, the president of the team, but really runs the baseball side too, came out with a quote that said that we are going to find a major league facility for these players. They deserve a major league facility. The players have come to me and said they want it, and we're going to get it done. What's he talking about? Who is going to share their facility with the Toronto Blue Jays? Well, we've heard Pittsburgh. We've heard Tampa. New York. Boston. Oakland. Ah, I tricked you. It's got to be someone on the East Coast for geographical travel purposes. Why wouldn't I offer Marlins Park for getting the pandemic? I got enough problems keeping it clean with the Marlins. I'm using the 30 days that the team is on the road to do a deep cleaning, to keep the players as healthy as possible. If you have a second team and people have written, and this is my favorite, people have written, it could be Pittsburgh. They only share seven home dates which means that only seven games would have to be day-night doubleheaders, seven days where the Blue Jays play a team and then the Pirates play a team, day-night, night-day. It's not going to happen. You're not going to get that many afternoon games for either team because of TV. 
you'd have to have more than one team staying in a hotel or you'd have to find more major league hotels in Pittsburgh. Then you'd have to make sure that the Pirates are somehow being remunerated for their extra expenses by having staffs come in and out, different clubbies, different players. It's just not going to happen. I will be shocked if the Toronto Blue Jays share a facility during this pandemic with another major league team. I called it on CBS Sports HQ the minute the story came out. I don't remember what day it was. It may have been Friday, Saturday. I can't remember. Shapiro came out with a comment saying that Buffalo is the place we spent the most time in the last 10 days. There's a lot we have to do. Some of it might get done after we start playing, but I'm confident Buffalo is a viable alternative. With the amount of resources that we would marshal if we focus solely on Buffalo, we can make it what it needs to be for us in in time to play games. Really? Aren't you the same guy who just said that you want to do a major league stadium? Oh, that was your GM. It's a good thing I have a mute button for YouTube. (laughs) Don't get ahead of yourself when you're giving quotes, please. Control what your GM is saying, Mark, Mr. Shapiro, because you knew you weren't going to share a facility. Why empower your players just to disappoint them? Make sure you're telling them the truth. I had no problem doing that with the players. I'll tell you that. When I would sit down, I remember spending time right during uh, the sales process of the team. I was down in the clubhouse and I'd be talking to whether it was Stanton or Yelich. And we'd be talking about the sale of the team. And I would say where we were and what was happening. And they'd be reading rumors and they'd hear different things from different people. And I would just say it like it was. Or when we had hurricane issues or when we had payroll issues, I was completely honest. Don't over-promise and under-deliver if you're a front office executive to your players, to your fans. It's just not worth it. Toronto's going to play in Buffalo. That's my wait to see. Everyone thinks I'm crazy. Trust me. Wait to see. When the Blue Jays play home games in 2020, it will be announced that it will be in Buffalo. Sorry, Charlotte. Sorry, Pittsburgh. Wait to see. After the break... I'm sick with love. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. 
Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back. Still watching movies every day. We review movies, we review TV shows. I watch a movie every day. No matter what. As a matter of fact, I watched several yesterday, including, again, Love the Coopers. I watched that very late last night, like very late. It started in the a.m. It ended in the a.m. I just felt wistful. I wanted to watch a Christmas movie with Steve Martin as the voice of the dog with John Goodman and Diane Keaton and Olivia Wilde. Jake Lacey plays Joe. Marissa Tomei, a young Timothy Chalamet, a great soundtrack. June Squibb, Ed Helms, the agent from Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I love that movie, but I'm reviewing something else I watched, and I want to mention it. It's called Emma. Emma, not the Emma with Gwyneth Paltrow from the 1990s. This is an Emma that was just released this year, and it stars Johnny Flynn, Bill Nahi, and another actress as Emma, whose name I frankly don't remember. Now, why... Did I love Emma? Do you know what Emma is? It's the Jane Austen novel. Anna, Anya Taylor-Joy. Thank you, Coca. Appreciate that. She was terrific, by the way. So Emma is the last novel published during Jane Austen's life. She had a novel published posthumously, but this was published the last in her life in 1815, maybe, or 1816. It came out in 16, maybe, something. I think I'm close. It's about a girl, 20 years old, no mother. She's sort of the matriarch of her family. She considers herself a bit of a Tsevia. Tsevia? God, I'm embarrassed. I think I got that name wrong, too. What's the name of the matchmaker in Fiddler on the Roof? God. It's a Monday. You have to excuse me. This has to be normal. In any case, she's a bit of a matchmaker. She's a bit of a stuffy shirt. She tries putting people together. She believes that she's superior than others. She's got her own issues, no doubt. And starring the father, one of the one of the men is Bill Nighy, who I love. And then it's Yenta, the matchmaker. Why did I think Svet Sevid? I don't know why. Thank you, Coco. That might, by the way, that must have taken a while to Google. In all of your preparations for the show, did you ever think you'd be searching Fiddler on the Roof Matchmaker? Though I think we did a review of a Fiddler on the Roof documentary, but I can't remember. I think that's possible. In any case, Emma. It's Tevia the Milkman. Okay, if you haven't seen Fiddler on the Roof, you should see it because it's outstanding. But I want to get back to Emma Coca. So Johnny Flynn stars in this movie as the pseudo love interest to Emma, as someone who takes Emma's heart at the end. But there's an entire, spoiler alert, there's an entire amount of ups and downs. And in the most curious, most interesting casting in this entire movie, the lead is played by Johnny Flynn, the star 
of that TV series that Coca introduced me to called Love Sick that is in my top 10 all-time series. I can't remember what channel it's on. It's either it's one of the streaming services. It's a show I told you to watch where he plays a guy who has given who has tested positive with a sexually transmitted disease, has to tell all of his former partners that they have to get tested. He plays sort of a goofy, hilarious character in Lovesick. In Emma, he is part of the bourgeois. But there's something about the way Johnny Flynn plays this character that makes him, for me, the most memorable character in Emma. And it's a, it's a movie that is 100% um, driven by Emma and the character. She's the central character. She's the most important character. If you don't like Jane Austen, still see Emma. If you like Jane Austen, see Emma. You're going to think it's slow. You're going to think that you're not interested. Stay with it. It's so important with movies to just stay with it. Emma, thank you, Johnny Flynn, for trying out for that part and getting it. Bill Nahi, one of my favorite. He's the one from About Time and Love Actually. He's the one who sings the song when it's Christmas. It's the Christmas song in Love Actually. Bill Nahi. Anyway, Emma. Moving on, Coca. Okay. Today is day 127 of the ML Beer Challenge. I just would like to point out that today is Monday, July 20th, day 127. We are scheduled to get our beards taken off Thursday, July 23rd at 7.09 p.m. Baseball is on schedule. Games happened this weekend. There were actual highlights. You had teams playing each other, which is something that we've told you on Nothing Personal is critical. I've been wondering, the Tampa Rays are not scheduled to play any exhibition games against any other teams. Why is that? What do they know that I'm not thinking of? Because they have the smartest front office and ownership in baseball. Always have been jealous of them. You know that. It's well documented. But I think it's critical when you're getting a team ready that they've got to see players not in their own uniform. When you hit a home run, if you're Aaron Judge, you hit a home run off your pitcher, James Paxton, that's not as good as hitting it off a pitcher for the Mets who the Yankees have been playing. It's so important to go through a regular nine-inning game with regular three outs with the minimum three-batter rule for the relief pitchers, getting certain relief pitchers to pitch back-to-back days, all the things that are necessary to get a season started. But there's nothing normal about this, just like there was nothing normal about this beard or this beard challenge or this pandemic time. We're being told that these players are ready, but they're not. We watch Aaron Judge hit a home run, and we're told he's ready. We watch Stanton hit a home run. He's ready. We watch Robinson Cano make an error. He's not ready. We watch Tim Anderson flip his bat with the White Sox. He's ready. We watch Louis Robert, who's never had a major league at bat for those same White Sox who signed a $50 million contract without one major league at bat, hit two home runs in an inter-squad game. He's Mike Trout. That was my tweet of the weekend, by the way. Tweet of the weekend, this is the next Mike Trout. That was said of Louis Robert. Really? Here's how many base hits Louis Robert has in Major League Baseball. Yeah, that's how many. Here's how many plate appearances 
Louis Robert has in Major League Baseball. There it is. If you're going to be Mike Trout, you better get a hit first. So in three days, we're going to get rid of this beard, and the beard challenge will have been over. We will have made it to the first game. I am 100% guaranteeing there will be a regular season game on July 23rd. I guarantee a first pitch will be thrown. I believe all 60 games we will get through. We, there's another dollar, Coco. What am I up to? Maybe $12 or something. They will get through 60 games. They will get through their postseason. There will be bumps in the ground. That's not the expression either. Bumps in the ground. I, it's amazing what's happening to me. Bumps in the road. There's, this is something that I need to work on, Coca, and I'm going to try. So the bumps in the road will be players who test positive. The bumps in the road will be injuries. We've seen some players already with their oblique, with their shoulder, with their elbow. When you're watching and listening to nothing personal, you hear about it here. So one player I want to talk about this weekend happened, and it's not a pleasant conversation, but I need to mention it so you have the information in your head. That's what you're getting from nothing personal, sort of background information and then understanding. There's a player who used to be a Marlin. I'm going to tell you a story about this player. We actually had him. We, it was a we when we did. Signed him in 2009 when I was the president of the Marlins. You know, he, he was a, <clears throat> a depth signing, a chance for him to be good as a pitcher, middle of the rotation guy. That was the upside. In 2009, we had to make a trade. We signed Herman, and then five years later, it was 2014. So it's two years after the ballpark had opened. We had a player named Nathan Evaldi, who, by the way, is now going to be the opening day starter for the Red Sox. And a player named Garrett Jones. I don't know if you remember Garrett Jones. And they were Marlins. We had traded for them and we had a, they, had been, they had been actually good for us. But we wanted to get Martin Prado feeling like he could be a leader for the team, which he 100% turned out to be. One of the great trades we made was getting Martin Prado. We also got a pitcher named David Phelps. So we wanted a swing guy who's still in the big leagues. He's gone through some injuries an unbelievable guy, intense, off the field, on the field. He's someone you want on your team, in your clubhouse. The Yankees wouldn't do the deal because we needed them to pay a good amount of the Prado deal. We needed them to also take money back with Garrett Jones. And they said to do it, they wanted a pitcher thrown in, a throw-in named Domingo Herman. Our baseball people said, no chance. Do not use him as a throw-in. The two-for-two is a fair deal. Evaldi, Garrett, Jones for Phelps and Prado, that's a deal. Don't. One of the issues is that we needed to do the deal. And when you need to do the deal, you're not going to win the deal. But we did the deal, and we felt that we were making the best decision possible for that moment, and we got Phelps and Prado. But lo and behold, in 14, we did trade Domingo Herman, who grew into a major league starter. Never got above, in my mind, a middle-of-the-rotation guy, but Yankee fans had this belief that he was an ace because he won 18 games for them last year. He won 18 games with, I think, a 4-plus ERA, 4.03 I have. It's fine. 18 wins and losses. Remember, we don't focus on that. We're looking at all sorts of other things. It's easy to win 18 games if your team scores behind you and you have an offense like the Yankees. A 4-ERA in the American League when there's a DH, not so bad. Not a top-of-the-rotation guy. 
But then Herman got suspended for 81 games for violating the domestic abuse policy of Major League Baseball. Anyone remember that? Well, he missed 17 games last year, and this year he was due to miss 63 games. Well, the season's only 60, so he's missing the entire year. So he's not at spring training. He was not at spring training part de or summer camp brought to you by Camping World, as MLB puts it. And just sort of forgotten about when you're Aaron Boone or you're the manager, GM, president of a team, and you don't have a player for a year, whether it's Tommy John, whether it's suspension, you just forget about him because you don't want that in your mind. You see his name every day on the injury report. If it's he's out for injury, you see him every day on your suspended, restricted report because he's been suspended or restricted. So you sort of see it, but you forget about it. Well, Herman was feeling a little bit lonely and sad. So he sent a Instagram post to everyone that basically said, I'll be very proud of my 11-year professional career. Remember, he was signed in 09 by the Marlins. That's 11. God bless everyone who supported me. And in Spanish, it said, I've left baseball. Thanks, everyone. All of a sudden, everyone went crazy. It was like the lead story which I don't know whether it was the lead story because there's so few other stories or whether or not because he's with the Yankees. If you were with the, you know, the Cardinals, is that a lead story? Is that just a mention on a website? This became top of the fold stuff. Herman quitting baseball. I remember reading that and I saying to myself, there's no way he's quitting baseball. I mean, it's out of the question. He hasn't gotten paid yet. He's got to get rid of this suspension, get back and get service time and get toward arbitration, free agency, get paid. That's why he's playing. Don't tell me he's lost the verve for the game. I think I'm misusing the word again. I don't think it's verve for the game. Don't tell me that he wants to walk away. He just had a bad day. And in social media, when you have a bad day, it gets magnified. So I knew from the beginning we had no story here. But Herman had to do a follow-up. As is so common here at Nothing Personal, it's the follow-ups, it's the statements that make us all see the light. Herman, in a perfectly worded post, the next day apologized for a simple Instagram post that he, re- that he had written. He had to apologize to his teammates, to the Yankees organization, and to the Yankees fans. I'm sorry for the unsettling post Friday night. It's what's going on. Why are we in a situation where we're forcing this young man to tweet and Instagram out an apology like this? Maybe he felt that way. Maybe he didn't want to play. Maybe he was sad and he does want to play. Maybe he was happy and he was trolling. Whatever the reason is, It's not a big deal, but it was made to be such a big deal that he had to continue with the statement saying that this past year has been very tough for my family and myself, for which I take full responsibility. Not being with my teammates while they get ready for the season, knowing I have let them down, has taken a toll on me. And Friday night, I let my emotions get the best of me. Baseball is my life, and I promise I'm not walking away. That's not good enough. And I find myself saying that a lot with these statements. Where's the mention of why? All you do is have some little comment, and I'm not saying you wrote this, Domingo. I'm really not. 
But whoever helped you, all you're saying is the past year's been tough for you and your family. I'm going to say it's been a little tougher for your family. I'm going to say it's been tougher for the victim of your domestic violence. Do you think that could be the case? You think you let your teammates down? No, you let your family down and the person who you physically abused, domestically violated. That's the issue. And you didn't fool any of us thinking that you were going to stop playing baseball. We didn't need your apology. We didn't need your statement. Because what happens every other week is you get a call from your agent. And the agent says to you, you better be behaving. Keep working out. Get ready. I haven't made enough money off you yet. And you haven't made enough money for yourself. Because you know why you're playing baseball. Because it's a business. It's clearly nothing personal. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.